Welcome to Who All Gonna Be There, a podcast by artists for artists. We talk cash shit about everything, sometimes we get messy, and it all counts as art because we say so. I'm Mel, I'm a black, thankfully I'm a woman, and sometimes they let me be an artist. In short, I contain a multitude of jobs. This week, I'm president of the Megan Thee Stallion's Knees Fan Club. I'm an investigative specialist for CSI AAVE Appropriations Unit, and I also set up crates for the Egg Crate Challenge in selected neighborhoods. Yo, what's up? Uh, Maximiliano here. New to a lot of things. Trying to uh, get out of my COVID cocoon and um, join this collapsing world again. And um, one podcast at a time. Here, here. How to support that channel project? We have a Patreon page where you can subscribe and be a member at a variety of levels. Our $10 membership gets you a exclusive, ooh, <laughs> an exclusive monthly zine, Book of Sedition, which is amazing, and it's um, one of our most loved things we make, publications. It is. We're going on issue 46 now? Yeah, 46 issues, and it's really fun. Um, we like to have fun making it, and we love um, to be able to distribute it. It's actually Melanie's turn. And, um, <laughs> the, the zine still hasn't come out yet. That was some shade. Okay, look, y'all. Some of us are better and more prolific at making the zines than others. I don't think we need to be punished, but that's neither here nor there. Go ahead, Max. We also have exclusive... Uh, podcast episodes that you can only get if you're a Patreon um, subscriber. We've been really trying to stamp down on the piracy. I've been seeing all of our um, exclusive behind the paywall episodes out there <laughs> on the on the services torrenting. People trying to upload them to YouTube. We are litigious and we will take those down. We have an Etsy store um, where you can get all of our publications. You can get our tote bags. You can get our zines. You can get our buttons, um, which are now rare and exclusive. And um, we have some pretty good uh, books. I've, I do say so myself there. 
Subscribe to us on iTunes. Um, leave a review. Follow us on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Facebook, Instagram, at Nat Turner Project. If you want to hit us with an email, if you have something you want to say about who are going to be there, any thoughts you want to share, email us at Nat Turner Project Zero. And if we like it, or if we don't like it, if we disagree with it, we may still read it on here mm-hmm. and try our best to answer any question you have about art, about Nat Turner Project, any problems you have in your life, we'll answer to them. Yeah, how come How come y'all never write us? You don't love us? We're here for you. Yeah, and I've recently been reading about the universe, so I can answer some space questions as well. Oh, okay. Just adding to my wheelhouse. Resonant space expert. Yes. Okay, y'all, so today it's just us again. We don't have a brilliant, um, you know, well-versed uh, guest as we usually do, so you're just going to have to deal. Um, we're just two people sitting in front of a microphone asking you to love us. All right. <laughs> the show's taking a, a sad, dark turn. <laughs> Um, I mean, we are in the middle of an apocalypse. I think we're already there. That turn was made years ago. Um, so, first up, um, I see you want to talk about the film Baby Boy. Yeah, I mean, sure. Tell me more. So, Baby Boy is this film that, um, maybe you're not familiar with it, but, um, it came out in 2001. (laughs) Directed by John Singleton. Rings a bell. Yeah. Rest in peace. Um, Starry Tyrese, Taraji P. Henson, Snoop Dogg's in it, um, Vin Rames, Omar Gooding, A.J. Johnson. Um, it's the story of Jody, who uh, is played brilliantly by Tyrese Gibson. Oh, brilliantly. Okay. Brilliantly, right? Maybe it's because he wasn't acting. I, I think that rings true, and we can get into that. Um, but I guess it's kind of a story of... Uh, arrested Development of um, Arrested Development displayed in anvil form with Jody as a grown ass man in a womb with a placenta as like the first shot. Yeah, I mean John Singleton likes to get RC. That's, <laughs> that's fine. I think that was a bold choice. <laughs> and I'm here for it, frankly. Um, but that's Baby Boy. So <clears throat> my reason for even wanting to talk about um, this 2001 gym um, it's for a lot of reasons, like like so many, so much youth, so much black youth, I had my phase where I devoured my John Singleton movies. Um, How old were you when Baby Boy came out? 2001, I was 12. Okay, so you were just starting. Just starting. Adolescence. Adolescence, Young yes. adulthood. But I don't know if I saw Baby Boy um, right when it came out. Um, yeah, I don't really remember when I saw Baby Boy. Um, but I definitely seen, you know, other singletons by then. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so 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 in the the reason of the re the baby boy resurgence uh, for me <laughs> goes to uh, some YouTube video I saw. Oh, which was like diving into it and like um, kind of talking about it because I always thought like I had always been, you know. Um, maybe mediocre warmth around baby boy i always felt like it came off a little goofy to me a little like over the top um and stuff um but then this youtube channel video um it changed my mind 
Who is the YouTuber? Um, FD Signifier. And what did they have to say? They had a bunch of stuff to say, so I'm not going to just like resuscitate somebody else's YouTube channel. But um, We'll put the link in the show notes so you can watch the video. But I thought it was good, and then it made me... Um, yeah, it made me think differently, not just about the movie, but um, I think it's so... I guess it's always... I don't know how important it is, like, maybe this is a question, too, how important is um, knowing the time and reasons why art is made important in appreciating the art. Um, like, how much does, like, John Singleton's, like, um, film past, how much play into it, how much does it coming out and, um, you know, the beginning of the 21st century play into it versus, like, you know, something from the early 90s. Um, you know, so I guess, it, does that stuff matter? I could say it does, maybe. I feel like I'm rambling. <laughs> what am I talking about? Um, so all that stuff, I think, um, plays into it. And also played into, like, why I felt like it felt like... Um, you know, it, it wasn't like a, a Boys in the Hood. It wasn't like a, um, a Menace to Society. Um, and then I thought it was still like somebody trying to go back to their past glories in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, but yeah, after this YouTube, I didn't think that was the case. Um, I saw so much more about the relationship between um, Tyrese and Omar Gooding's character, his friend, between Tyrese and Vin Mames. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the stuff going on with uh I feel like there was uh more of a defense around Taraji P. Henson um like her acting choices I think some of her acting choices because I feel like everybody I guess was kind of like acting almost in this exaggerated sense not everybody but I feel like a lot of people were acting mm-hmm. exaggerated Omar Gooding I think was also acting in exaggerated senses um but seeing those as more conscious choices and mm-hmm. like reasoning behind that um And then, um, yeah, this this arrested, this arrested growth, this arrested black masculinity. Um, yeah. Okay. Well. I'll... So those are my first. Yeah, my first. Okay. Surface and then. All right. So, when Baby Boy came out in two thousand one, I was twenty years old. Twenty one. Twenty. Twenty one years old. Um, and just graduated from undergrad. Um, so I had moved back to Atlanta and I was in the thick of beginning to make up, make some of the fucked up choices of my young adulthood. Um, so I really related to this movie a lot. Um, and me and my friends watched it and we made fun of a lot of the shit in the movie, but, uh, it did strike a chord with me. I will say that Taraji P. Henson, like her performance was amazing in this movie. She's definitely a standout. Like I could tell that she was going to be a star. Um, she was amazing. Um, her character was really relatable. Like, you could understand why she was making the decisions that she was making, even if you didn't agree with them. Um, and I think she was written really well. Um, some of the other characters were a little cartoonish. Ving Rames was amazing. Um, I really liked his character. And, of course, you know, the shot of him um, naked in the kitchen making breakfast for Jody's mom... Like, that's iconic, really. <laughs> um, that still gets referenced, like, 20 years later. Um, A.J. Johnson, who plays Jody's mom, like, I was happy to see her again because I don't think I had seen her in a movie since House Party. Um, and she's gorgeous uh, and amazing. Um, and did a really good job as playing this, like, young mother who was still kind of 
searching for a life beyond motherhood. Um, this is also the origin of the use of the word female instead of bitch. Like, this is the movie where that comes from, and this is, the like, the place where, like, people started to, like, use female as this stand-in, like, this coded stand-in for when they mean bitch, especially when referring to black women. So I always remember that, like, because the Omar Gooding character says, I'm not going to call them bitches, I'm going to call them females, these emotional females. Um, And I always tune out whenever someone uses the word female because it's some bullshit. It's a dog whistle. Um, but, um, I think Jody, um, the character is interesting. I think that there was a lack of a moral focus in the way he was written that always bothered me. Like, if you're going to write a character that's trying to do the right thing, I think it has to be more pointed in a way, because some of the shit he did was just, like, chaotic, you know? I don't know. I, I remember, like, hearing, I think this was in the YouTube video, that um, John Singleton had a different ending in mind that was supposed to be, like, not happy or not, like, more positive, or, like, Jody got, like, some comeuppets, mm. and then I think the studio was like, no, we need it to, like, be different so i think that what because like the ending where he ends like him and like Traji are like together in the park like yeah. playing cards which I, I love yeah and i think that was more um the studio was like it needs to like have this more happier ending because it also makes it seem like he didn't learn anything or like this like like this kind of area where like how much growth did the character really have mm-hmm. um but yeah i think they wanted i think that was um yeah more of a from what i understand more of a studio well i hate to say this and I hate to agree with the studio because they suck ass in general. <laughs> but that was, I mean, this movie came out on the wings of like Singleton and like, uh, was it Hughes Brothers? So like Menace to Society, Boys in the Hood, Higher Learning, which all have these like tragic endings. And I think people, at least black people, I can speak for black people. Um, black people were just tired of seeing people die at the end of movies. Like, we needed some happy. Like, so I kind of agree with that. But I feel like there is, there's got to be a middle ground between, you know, playing cards in the park and dying this horrible death. You can, as a writer, you can find a middle ground, you know? And I just think with a lot of black movies, you don't see the middle ground. You don't see, like, just the points of living in between the lines. And it's, it's really frustrating. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And then, um, one of the parts that stuck out to me, um, that, um, was brought up was the Jody and, um, I guess I don't know if Vin Reams is his character's name, but, um... Melvin. Melvin. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> I remember, like, hearing it. I was like, oh, yeah, Melvin. Um, got me all thugging and bugging. Um... <laughs> Their, like, relationship, obviously, like, Jody, like, just pretending, you know, being scared and doing, like, a lot of, like, pretending, or, like, Melvin doesn't have to pretend, is so much more comfortable in himself, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, he's just been through it. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, the end where after um, they kill Snoop Dogg, you know, Jody's, like, crying in his room. and then, Rodney. Like, Rodney. Yeah, they kill after they kill Rodney, right? Mm-hmm. Who had been in prison. Spoiler alert, by the way, this movie's 20 years old, so it's your fault. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. and it's a very free because Snoop Dogg still exists today in like current culture, and he's a, it's a very different Snoop Dogg. It's the same, but he's it's not Uncle Snoop. He has not seen Uncle. This Snoop is yet. the domesticated <laughs> Snoop Dogg. So. Um, but then the fact that somebody that, are, that was the fact was brought up was like that the only way that there can be this like tenderness between like black men was at the expense of like another black man's life, right? Mm-hmm. Like the fact that like this hand. Or, oh yeah, so then Melvin comes in, um, sees Jody crying with like a gun in his hand, and then like you know just doesn't say anything and just like calmly or like tenderly kind of like takes away the gun, mm-hmm. and they have this like unspoken moment, which is like maybe one of the few moments of like tenderness. In the whole movie, yeah. right, but still, again. Well, um, there's tenderness with Melvin and Jody's yeah, mom. Yeah, true, true. That does seem like this. That's also, too, like, this, yeah, this, like, this, the, maybe the one healthy relationship we see yeah. in the whole movie. Honestly, <laughs> the too, whole, like, the only and one. And it's like, yeah, you would you would want to get your fucking deadbeat son out of the house. And be like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get out of the fucking house, Jody. Um, <laughs> but, but I feel like, to your point earlier about was Tyrese, like, pretending or just playing himself? Because, like, Tyrese is so good at complaining. I just, I don't understand why Tyrese is the way that he is. He has now been richer for longer in his life than he hasn't been rich, and he's still acting the same way. I guess the the rock is his contemporary Melvin. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about um, Snoop Dogg's acting in this movie? I, I I still consider it to be part of the everybody I feel like was all was all so exaggerated. Yes, I feel like Snoop Dogg was like that too. Um, but also too, like I feel like the whole the whole drive by scene just also felt like mm-hmm. also all those earlier films. Yeah. Um, so much of it reminds me of like obviously like Men to Society. Yeah. Um, but then slightly like in first a little bit. I feel like. That, the drive-by scene with Snoop in this movie didn't carry the same gravity. And I don't know if it was just bad direction or what, but, like, all I remember, and my friends clowned on this after the movie, is Snoop Dogg's hair, like his fresh press and curl, mm-hmm. blown in the wind while he's running away. And I feel like they could have handled that better, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not supposed to be laughing while this fool is dying. You know? Yeah, but yeah, I mean, it was hard. I feel like it was, they made it hard to like connect with Rodney, especially. Yeah, um, they made him a cartoonish villain. Like he tried to rape Taraji's character in front of their child. Yeah, which I also feel like the way that was directed, the way that scene was directed, was a little bit too. Oh no, they could have done better with that. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like. Um... Yeah, Rodney's character, Rodney's death, yeah, the drive-by scene, um, it all felt, yeah, like, it didn't feel like it had the same way, but again, I feel like maybe because so much of the imagery had been, like, done better, even, like, Bonnie John Singleton, or even in other movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think part of, oh yeah, part of this was that this kind of, like, comes out after, you know, after that wave of, um, you know, uh, West Coast, like, gangster dumb, you know, Tupac and Biggie have both died. 2001, yeah. the South has already risen. Um, there's already been the shift, right? The shift has already occurred. Yes, it has. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but but maybe that's fine. Like, maybe it's, because I think I had also heard or read something that, like, Tupac was originally supposed to be Tyrese, because, like, you know this movie oh. had been earlier, or they started Oh, Tupac would have acted the hell out of that. <laughs> then, <laughs> yeah. Then obviously too, right? Jody has this huge 
Tuvok poster in his room. Oh, um, yeah. Which is, you know, um, this unachievable goal, maybe, <laughs> for so many people. Um, but, yeah, so, like, you know, had the movie come out earlier, had it at Tupac in it, but, again, you know, I guess the movies exist how it's supposed to exist. True. And, um, yeah, I think maybe maybe now I, it will give me, yeah, it could make make me give Baby Boy a second look. Yeah. Because I feel like Baby Boy is, like, another movie that I would watch as, like, part of this, like, canon, but then I would, like, oh, I I wish I liked Baby Boy more. But maybe I just didn't fully get Baby Boy. I mean, Bl- Baby Boy is in the black film canon, mm-hmm. so it's... I mean, it's gotten its flowers. It's getting its flowers. I think I have the DVD. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say this. Like, that trend that existed, I guess still exists, as per the Fast and Furious franchise, of putting rappers in roles and acting roles as some sort of marketing, cross-marketing wet dream. I feel like it gave it gives a disservice to like the unknown black actors out there who could have done some shit with those roles, and that annoys me a little bit. Do you think it was started by Tupac? Did it start before that? But okay, see, I feel like Tupac is the rare exception to that rule because Tupac was actually he went to acting he, school. He right? has an acting background. He was acting his ass off. What I'm saying, like, was that the temple? Be like, oh, we did it with Tupac, so why doesn't it work with everybody else? And then forgetting, oh, because because studio execs can't t- tell us all tell us apart. Right, like, forgetting that he had like, maybe, an acting background. Maybe I don't know. But um, but also uh, Ice Cube was in um, Boys in the Hood, and when did that come out? Ninety one. Okay, Ice Cube is. <clears throat> Ice Cube was an uh, was a good actor. He was good in that movie. He was good in Higher Learning too. I okay. really loved yeah. his character in Higher Learning. Yeah. His character in Higher Learning reminds me of a friend of mine. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, I forget. Yeah, Higher Learning. Um, but like, and then because that's my I love that too. Cause like that's Michael Rappaport, right? Oh my god, <laughs> Michael Rappaport, who has become the worst fucking human being on the planet. Like, what the fuck happened to him? <laughs> He's awful. Yeah, wow, I forget. Yeah, I have to rewatch Higher Learning too. <laughs> it's true story, funny story. Higher Learning came out what year? Um, hold on, let me look that up. Higher Learning came out in nineteen ninety five, right? So that was a few years before all the shit started going down with Columbine and all that. Mm-hmm. I went to see Higher Learning with my mom. Um, and I was... So, 95. I think I was, like, 15 or 16 years old. Um, and after the movie ended, she was like, I don't think that was a realistic representation of college. Um, <laughs> that doesn't happen. Which I always think about, and it always makes me laugh in a very sad way. So, because that shit became the new normal by the time I got to college. Yeah. So, um, I remember always hearing about you know like growing up in Texas that I think in the '60s there was um, this like shooter at the University of Texas, mm-hmm. um, some like sniper that got into some tower and was like you know shooting people for hours. It was just like huge standoff. Mm-hmm. But again, that still was like an anomaly, like one thing from the '60s. Yeah, until. But even Columbine was still, like, the, what do they call, like, the outlier, this, like... It was. ...evidence event, and then it was still, like, a generation later before it became normal, right? It's, like, yeah. two shootings every well, day now. Well, it wasn't a generation later, because, like, I feel like after... Like, Columbine happened while I was in college, I think. Because Columbine was 99, right? Yeah. Um, but in the early 2000s, that whole Virginia tech oh, yeah. thing happened. And that was, like, early 2000s. 
So I think there have been consistent things, consistent things happening throughout, and we just choose to ignore them. And then, of course, Sandy Hook in 2012. Well, Virginia Tech was 20, uh, uh, 07. Oh, 2007. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's quite a bit of space then, right? Um, eight years. Okay. And Sandy Hook was 2012. Yeah. And that, but by that, it was already. I feel like it had already become normal by then. Yeah. <sighs> but yeah. Mm. All right. Well, it's it's weird that uh, John Singleton is no longer with us. Just continuing in the tradition of lower life expectancies for black folks. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So, fall 2021 in Portland. What does that mean? Um, leaves are turning colors. Um, life's coming back. Delta variant. Um, <laughs> Delta Lambda who? Delta Lambda, yeah. <laughs> the Greek fraternities are moving in. <laughs> um, I don't know what it means. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's gray outside right now. It's still summer, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if we're going to have a crazy forest fire season. There's, like, there's something in California that's, like, the biggest one right now. Yeah. And then there's... Siberia, which is like the biggest global ever one. Yeah. Um, so who knows? Sometimes I feel like I smell fire, but I can't tell if somebody's just like having a fire outside or something. You probably smell fire. <laughs> That's the more likely scenario. So yeah, I don't know. I remember last year was crazy. Um, will it be crazy this year? We'll find out. Hmm. Um, Do you have any expectations for 2021? <clears throat> I had some. I think I, I had some. <laughs> Earlier this year, I don't know where they all went. <laughs> I'm just trying to just hold on. It's been a, it's been a roller coaster. Nothing I, is for sure. Yeah, I feel like life's going going back, and like everybody's going back to work and working multiple jobs and stuff. Um, so that's what it feels like. I feel like whatever other reality we lived in, I feel like every day goes further away because I feel like the reality of it, like you know, there's still diseases and people dying and stuff like that. But yeah. like whatever like government support or like you know stimulus checks or like any of that stuff seems like a distant memory yeah um so yeah i guess everything's just back and everything is crazy mm-hmm. and i know i just think more and more i think i've confirmed that the world is not going to end in a big in a bang or a boom it's going to be a slow crumble that like the yeah. world's just going to get a little shittier every day and we're not going to notice it or we are but it's going to be like so gradual and that's how we adjust to it. But here's the thing we do notice it and we just don't do anything about it. I feel like if covid has proven nothing else it proves that we can know that some shit is going down and actively work against trying to deal with it. Yeah, I guess that's the question is like what at what point do you adjust to the new world? But I think too it's like this crumbling world where like the people at the very top are going to continue to live how they live and right. all the people below them. But as, like, the disasters happen in more frequency, the the bottom's going to crumble more and more. And then there'll be fewer and fewer people. And then the middle moves to the bottom and then we crumble too. That's Yeah, it until it's just like a neo-feudal age where only the super rich have, like, security protection. But eventually the top crumble to the bottom if there's no one left and they, they're gone too. That's how it works. I mean, I don't That's know. a natural progression. I don't know if everything crumbles. I think some people maintain power until... And then there's a rebuild of power. But if there's no one to maintain power over, I see. I see. I guess I see it being like the neo feudal age is a wasteland. But then there's these pockets of like billionaire fortresses mm-hmm. where like maybe there's people that live in like shanty towns on the outside that serve the billionaire. Oh. And it's like how this like you know kind of like a new here's this rich family and then like maybe 
thousands of people that serve this rich family and like barely survive but like that's how they live is in this like yeah it's like surfs that's fucking bleak man <laughs> but i think that's like the, the that bed and flow yeah because uh, also too like you know i think we've talked about other like ends in the past but i've been like you know listening more and more into like the or reading more and more both about like the bronze age collapse mm-hmm and, like, all that stuff, and, like, you know, the Bronze Age being, like, the first age of, like, empires, like, Sumeria and, like, Egypt and, like, Assyria and, like, the Hittites and stuff like that, but then, like, all those collapses afterwards, and how it's just, like, yeah, there's always a, a build-up fall-down, yeah. um, and I think it'll be another fall-down. It always makes me think of, like, you know, Parable of the Sower, where it's, like, really gradual, mm-hmm. and it's, like, some people just don't accept that things are so different, and I was, like, oh, I'm still gonna try to, like, go to my job teach, being a college professor, mm-hmm. but then there's, like, you know, Reavers and raiders in the street. Um, so yeah, so I wonder like um, when's that going to be? Like, because I feel like the apocalypse is a slow crumble. And um, at what point do I need to stop being an artist and just think about survival? What if you're? What if you're being an artist is tied into your survival? I mean, maybe like if we still believe in the systems that exist. But I'm saying like I think the systems are crumbling in the. The sooner I adjust to what the true change is, maybe the better chance there is. I mean, that's been my issue with this all along. Like, I have this kind of unending sense of rage at the degree to which people continue to carry on life as if everything is normal, as if we haven't lost hundreds of thousands of people. Um, And just trying to uphold this system is exhausting and because i think everybody's so invested in it i mean i feel like we all are obviously you know we went to school we have like college degrees and stuff like that so i feel like that's an investment in like buying into like this maintaining on some form yeah but it's like the sooner you maybe because i feel like now it's all i'm thinking more and more about like how do i just like get some land with like a clean water resource with like a well on it and then start just like thinking about how do i sustain Mm -hmm. existing versus like art shows and grants or whatever you know <laughs> yeah because none of that's like real and it feels so like i feel so unprotected right if anything actually happened if some like real disaster like befell portland i don't feel like i have any real thing to fall on that's like no. you know it's not like i have a fortified um base out in the wilderness that's like sucked that i could fall to like i feel like i've always felt that way though like since i was a kid like i've never felt protected by anything so that's not new for me but this idea of trying to maintain these systems in the middle of watching them crumble is just, I'm just angry about it all the time. I feel like the Hulk. Um, like, I feel like I've been in a state of suspensions since March of 2020, where I'm just waiting for every fucking body else to catch up to like what is going on. Yeah, and I wish, I wish there was more understanding like, about that. I mean, we have like bosses and stuff like that that are like, Everybody says they care, they understand, but then you're, like, everybody's still expected to maintain or, like, do even more work now or, like, be spread even thinner. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, too, I feel like this feeling that, like, maybe it started setting in um, around March 2020 where, like, I think more and more people are just, like, saying fuck it. And not all the, not not in all the same ways, but in de- varying degrees and varying ways. Like, maybe somebody just decided, like, I'm just going to be more of myself or, like, I'm not going to fucking shower anymore or I'm not going to, like... Um, stop cussing anymore or like mm-hmm. i'm gonna s- smoke cigarettes now or it's like if you know like 
I you know I I did watch this movie again recently. The one with Steve Carell and Karen Knightley was like a friend for the end of the world, where it's like a meteor's coming to Earth, but they have like maybe three months or something. Mm-hmm. And I think the amount of time you have to know before the world ends um, affects what you do. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody told you the world's ending in three years, like how are you going to live differently compared to somebody telling you like, hey, the world's ending in a week, mm-hmm. right? It's a very different like set of time. Because three years is like I can't just blow through all my money. Right. I still have to like survive somehow for three <laughs> years and but a week is like fuck it like now's the time yeah. to like smoke all the cigars like I'm gonna fight the guy next door yeah. you know like who knows like dude like literally like what the fuck ever um, <laughs> but I think because it's such a slow crumble right it's like hard to adjust to knowing like when the re- end really is and like what is the end is the end, in the end just when you acknowledge that you can't live the life you've been living anymore and mm-hmm. now you have to adjust to something else yeah or is it like the end of like you dying in some like horrific way or is it just like you know just a a slowly crumbling like infrastructure like lack more and more like lack of services of resources you know maybe certain like luxury products no longer exist in grocery stores like mm. you know maybe it becomes harder to travel like i don't know like the ways it becomes these slow things right yeah but i do think that people are starting to live differently i think there's more of a fucking mentality more than ever not enough, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's going to get there. Like, we'll probably just start walking down the street to, like, fires will be raging. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that does bring me to the next topic. So, last week I went on vacation. Was that last week? Yes. Yeah, last week I went on vacation. I decided I needed one last hurrah of not doing shit um, that involves my labor or thinking about labor um, for a full week um, to give myself some relaxation before school starts because I know it's going to be like crazy intense. I'm not going to have time to do anything or think anything but my students and my classes. So I went on vacation. I did like a staycation thing where I hung out at a, in a nice hotel for a couple of days and then I drove out to the coast to see the ocean because it's the first time I've seen the ocean in three years. Um, and while I was out, I learned that someone very close to me, someone that I'm in contact with daily, um, who is fully vaccinated, who has been doing all the right things, all the things they're supposed to, social distancing, masking up, all that, contracted COVID. Um, uh, suffice it to say, my vacation was a little bit um, tainted by that information. And I've been hearing more and more cases, breakthrough cases from people I know. And I'm pretty convinced that the breakthrough cases are largely unreported and they're not telling us the reality of what that is. Um, I'm also disturbed by the lack of masks like at indoor establishments and even outside like people are acting as if people aren't still getting sick when we are fully ensconced in this third wave of covid and the delta variant and i'm just scared i'm scared that i have to go back to the classroom as an immunocompromised person um i'm scared that there aren't systematic protocols in place to protect people Um, And I have no idea what's going to happen. I have no idea if I could be walking into, like, a death march or something. I'm just very concerned and very scared. And the degree to which people continue to want to pretend so badly that everything is okay 
is astounding to me. I don't know. What do you think about this, Max? Do you think, like, how many people do you think are pretending things are okay, just, like, people running stuff? Or do you think they're just, like, faking it because they don't know what else to do because they have, like, people running things for them? Or it's, like, um... Because I also think there's some people that are, like, yeah, I'm vaccinated and COVID's over. Um, but I feel like, yeah, that all the the cases that show you that you can still get COVID, mm-hmm. um, even though you're vaccinated, I feel like it should um, give a lot of people pause. Yeah. I and mean, definitely giving me pause. But Yeah. It's, uh, I think the people running things, like, you, you know, your CDCs, your WHOs, all that, they have agendas in place. They're thinking about the bigger picture, and that wholly informs what they choose to tell us and what they choose not to tell us. So I, you have to kind of take that shit with a grain of salt. They were late to the party on the whole mask mandate thing. They told us we could stop wearing masks and then promptly took that back. Like... They're just doing what they need to do to protect other corporations, other whatever. But no one's really thinking about the people. And I don't know, it's just it's hard not to feel doomed. And then, like, people, like you said, people want everything to be okay so bad they're willing to pretend. They're willing to pretend right onto their deathbed. Like, no one's wearing masks. Um... Yeah. I don't know. There was something I was watching on TikTok that was saying that um, a great way to, like, actually maybe judge what politicians or, like, senator and congresspeople are, like, thinking or actually planning mm-hmm. is by um, looking at their investments and their stocks mm. and seeing, like, where they're putting money and, like, what they're investing in. And, like, what is this company? What is this company doing? And, like, why are some of you starting, like, you know, why are all these senators starting to buy stock in this company? Um because I feel like, yeah, like, people, they'll lie to us all the time, but then, you know, as they always say, like, money doesn't lie or whatever. Like, follow the money. Yep, um, follow the money. <laughs> now, that's a pretty good rule of thumb. You follow the money, you get pretty much the whole story. Yeah. That goes for anything. Follow the money, y'all. Yeah. Did you hear that Drake um, had COVID? I did not hear that. What? Yeah, he he posted a picture, like a selfie on his Instagram, and someone mentioned that the little heart that had been, um, you know, cut said, into, yeah. was looked fucked up or something. And he explained that he experienced hair loss due to COVID. And that's how that came out. Not the beige messiah. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Aubrey. What? Yeah. Getting hair loss on top of COVID. Yeah. COVID yeah. caused hair loss. See, that's a way to get people vaccinated. You need no, to start- it causes um, temporary hair loss. It causes impotence. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's the kind of way to get people um, the, the thing that would kill motivated. me is the loss of taste. The loss of taste. And the person I know who got COVID, the breakthrough, they couldn't taste food for like a week. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't want that for COVID, but I feel like maybe that would be good for like a little bit to see. Like maybe I would stop eating so much if I oh, <laughs> had the loss of taste. <laughs> why deny yourself one of life's joys? Sometimes I eat things I don't feel like are even that good. Like, why am I eating this? this well, I don't understand that, that. That's weird. Because, <laughs> like, maybe you got it. Like, you know, sometimes you, like, order something. And it's like, oh, these fries aren't that good. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine not being able to taste ice cream. Oh, my. Like, okay. So, one of the one of the um, side effects um, for my lupus when it, like, flared up um, into, like, these extreme cases that had me in the hospital, one of the things is I had a complete loss of appetite. Like, I couldn't keep food down. 
I didn't want food. Like, so I would go like days without eating. Um, and that was awful because I love food. So like, I don't know. I can't imagine not being able to taste anything. That would suck. That would definitely suck. Um, Ugh. um, Jesse Jackson got COVID? and his family just contracted it. Like that was announced yesterday. Yeah, Cause it's only getting stronger, right? The more it hangs out, the more it exists, the stronger it gets. Yeah. I mean, isn't Delta that kind of how a, the Delta thing happened in the first yeah, place? Delta is a thousand times like stronger. It's like a thousand percent more infective. Yeah. And like, you have to be in a room for like two minutes compared to like 15 minutes to Fuck. like get it or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, is it evolving? It's like evolving before our eyes. It's getting stronger. Right. And, well, I mean, what do you think? What? How do you think this plays out? Um, maybe like I think people are saying it's gonna stay around for years. Mm-hmm. It becomes like something that we get a booster for every year. It feels convenient for like pharmacies or the pharmaceutical industry. Like, oh, I guess we have another product you need annually. You know, maybe you have to get it twice a year. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm sure they're like just licking their lips, waiting for them to be able to legally give it to kids and stuff. Mm. but yeah no I'm I'm at least glad that if I am teaching I'm teaching people that are old enough to be vaccinated and not like teaching like elementary school kids and we are younger we are teaching an institution where they're requiring vaccinations and they're requiring masks how do you feel about that I think I remember like seeing some headline about some confiscation of a bunch of fake vaccine cards oh (laughs) I mean I've been seeing a lot of other institutions of higher learning um, and their faculty going on strike because they aren't they don't have any protocols in place like some pretty big heavy hitters in the um, academic world black academics are talking about it um, talking about stepping down from these institutions particularly those in the south because they don't have anything in place oh right they're like issuing like state mandates that be like you can't require masks in places yeah i know Spel- spellman is going on strike um yeah like a lot of folks are talking about it that's what's happening in texas to um the governor greg abbott fucking crazy uh, um was did like an anti uh wait it didn't mandate. didn't greg abbott contract it and he's vaccinated or Did he get it? He might have got it. I don't know. That sounds very possible. <laughs> but what, what is he doing? Um, he did a mask or uh, anti-mask mandate or like, you know, where you can't mandate masks. But then a lot of, because uh, he did it like statewide, but a lot of like places are just like refusing him. Like the Dallas Independent School District is like, no, we're doing a mask mandate mm-hmm. or we're doing like a vaccine mandate. Yeah, he he originally tested positive for COVID, even though he was vaccinated, but he's getting an antibody treatment, and now he's testing negative. Well, that's what happens when you're super rich. You got access to the other stuff. That's how Donald Trump got out of it. This podcast I listen to, um, The Black Guy Who Tips, uh, talks about these politicians who don't live by their raps. <laughs> like... All of them? You mean a politician? <laughs> the thing in politics, more like a pile of tricks. <laughs> Is that, a, is that a line from somewhere? Yeah, I think it's like what, um, <laughs> he says that stuff like that, like, uh, when, like, Ross's rhyme or whatever. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but these motherfuckers espouse these fucked up, it's, it's, it's but pretty, only, it's, only, it's everyone who works at Fox News. But who's believing <laughs> that stuff is like, it's like the people that, like, think politicians are being real with you, it's, 
I mean, it's still like typically the most vulnerable people are <sighs> believing this shit. That's the ironic. But part. that's the wild thing is like you don't really buy this. Like how many times do you have to catch Ted Cruz red-handed to be like Ted Cruz is not somebody to trust. Like this is like the <laughs> fakest man I've ever seen. But like still, like he's probably gonna win re-election yet again, right? Which is like wild. How is that possible? I think because Republicans have gerrymandered, oh, gerrymandering all the fuck out of Texas well, so yeah, hard. That's true. But um. Like, the South in general is just, like, yeah. like a fucking cesspool. Because they know, like, they know without, I mean, the only way they win is by playing dirty, right? They know. I mean, even Texas, I mean, Texas the United States, like, it's going to be minority white, you know, within the next, like, 10, 15 years, right? Mm-hmm. And they're trying to do everything, right? The fucking, they're studying the... That's the whole immigration thing. That's the whole crux of the immigration thing, to, to stave off But even if there's no, like, even minority. if there's, like, a net zero... Um, Immigration is like the black and brown people in the United States are having more babies than um, white people. Mm-hmm. White people are just like you know, not having, not reproducing. And yeah. <laughs> That's happening all over the world. Like in Europe, they're like white people have a declining birth rate. Like the immigrant population. Um, yeah, immigrants coming in, but also the people that have already been there like are having more babies mm-hmm. typically. I mean, as as a as a black person, as a person of color who has chosen not to have children, I will say that the incentives for having children, as a person in my position, are very fucking low. And as someone who has the agency and the authority to choose, I would definitely choose not to have children. Definitely. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just like where everything we were just talking about, I was like, I feel like it gets... I imagine bringing a child in this world less and less as, like, the world crumbles more and more. Speaking of which, my mother called me last night to um, tell me that she had a dream about fish. And I have never, like, hurried off of a phone conversation so quickly. Anyone who's Caribbean knows what the fuck that means. What is that, like, death? No, pregnancy. Oh, pregnancy. I was like, well, I gotta go. That's my time, Mom. Good night. (laughs) So... (laughs) Well, there you go. <laughs> no, but yeah, more and more people are just—they're seeing the writing on the wall, especially the um, the um, the Gen Y folks, Gen Z, Gen Z. I don't know, Gen Z. They just like why? Why would you choose to have children in the middle of all of this? I mean, how old are they right now? They're all like teenagers. So, like, how do we know? They're not teenagers. They're in their twenties, right? Uh, are they? I yeah. guess so. Dang. Yeah, you're old, dude. You're an old. Shh, we're gonna edit that out. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm a zillennial. Zil- <laughs> I think I'm on the cusp. I no, claim I'm, Gen X. I'm firmly millennial. I'm not. Yeah, you're a millennial. I'm not near Gen X. Gen Z, sorry. Gen Z. I am Gen X. Well, I feel like I got the best of the both worlds. I'm not addicted to screens like the kids younger than me. Mm. And I can still be social and go outside. Um, I feel like. You you're know, not addicted to screens? Like, I feel like I grew up playing outside. Okay, that's fair. Growing up playing Fortnite or whatever people do. I mean, you fully take notes on your iPhone. That's that's some yeah that's cool that's, that's me trying to like figure it out that's I'm I'm like an adult adapting you know uh, <laughs> so like I used to have a pen and paper and carry that around and it's like sometimes I forget my notebook but I never forget my phone indeed indeed but I can still write cursive I don't know if they even teach that oh, anymore they don't I know how to write a check I'm just saying I'm, your- I'm the last of both worlds you are I'm the are. I'm the um, <laughs> James Finmore Cooper. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, I feel like I can do I can do both. I know I know about eighty stuff. I also had an older brother, so I feel like I knew uh, part of the older stuff that I would have been exposed to had I yeah. 
not had an older sibling. Yeah. So I know about 80s horror films. I know about The Gate. You felt the pain of the loss of Tupac and Biggie and yeah, yeah, Kurt yeah. Cobain. No, I remember watching, um, what's the one? Um, oh, my God. How would I not remember this? The uh, Apocalypse. Um, we go together like Elliot. Oh, Welcome to the Wild Wild. I remember watching that music video, Tupac, Dr. Dre, in my oh. grandma's basement. Oh, yeah. Um, now, welcome, everybody, to the Wild Wild, wild, wild West. West. California. Yeah. With the Mad Max aesthetic, yeah. 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 I was out a party in the city, city of Compton. We keep it rocking. All right, well. (laughs) No, I want to welcome everybody to the Wild Wild West. Yeah, no, I remember like Tupac and Biggie. I remember them dying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What was the? Because there's like another Biggie song that I remember. Um, obviously, uh, Diddy was in it, but they're like you know wearing these like silk Versace shirts, but they're like on boats and stuff. I can't remember which one that is. But then also I remember uh, P, uh, Puff Daddy, Faith Evans. I'll be missing you. Yeah. Thinking apparently of the he never. Day. Apparently Diddy never cleared the rights for that. Of course. <laughs> when you went away. Also, he uh, also ostensibly is starting a new label to revive R&B. And to all the R&B folks out there, Please, please hide your checkbooks, hide your bank accounts. Does that mean Do we're going to get a new uh, making the band? <laughs> you know what? That was fun TV trash. But what happened to those folks? Um, what's the What's the best TV trash now? Um, the Bachelor. <laughs> the Bachelor's pretty great. I know. The other day we were talking about Nandi Day Beyonce. When you see that, trash. I need to. I, yeah. But see, like every time I hear the premise, it stresses me out. Like, no, it, if you ain't, yeah, it's it's rough. Okay, it's rough. I like I like reality TV where white people are basically embarrassing themselves. It makes me very happy. Okay, so the Bachelor the... Okay. franchise is very good for that. Um, <laughs> like, there's some things on Netflix. Do you ever watch any of the um, what is it? The Love Is Blind. Yes, I did watch Love is Blind. Did you watch the new episodes? Yes, I did. What do you think? <laughs> did Lauren say all he has to do is shoot up in the club? Like, <laughs> No, Lauren and what's that, what's that guy's name? Uh, Cameron. Yeah, they're so cute. I mean... They are cute. They're adorable. I, yeah. I mean, like, but they're I'm, an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like two corny-ass people who oh, found each other. What do you think other. of who's that one guy? Who's the one that was, that's by, um, what's his name? Um, oh, the one that just like went off on Lauren. He's the worst. Yeah. Like he's just he's but, he needs some therapy. He needs to work his shit out. He has some anger. Um, but no, the so the whole okay, the whole thing that like Diamond was so surprised that like her day left. Like you bring this guy to a party, don't say one word to him. Okay, but he was extreme though. He was extreme with it. Like he could have t- taken her aside and said, "Hey, you know, I'm not feeling it here." Like I like I get it. Like I, I could I, I could see both sides of the story. I could see like you you're being vain and you make it about you and you're like you didn't talk to me all tonight that I'm leaving. And I could also see like oh this is like a, not like a test but this is like a chance to show you that I can be like I can be with it and I can be like entertain myself. I can mm-hmm. talk to people. Nothing's stopping me from socializing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then, you know, we meet about the end of the night, and you'll be like, oh, you know, I'm so, you know, especially if you're, like, reconnecting with a bunch of people you know. Yeah. So I see that side, but I also see, like, because I could be on both sides. I'd be like, all right, yeah, you, like, you came to hang out with somebody, and you didn't, so you can leave. Especially if it was a first date. I think that was just a bad first date in general. That was not, not a great first date. If it was a first date, we don't know that. I think that it was, right? They, like, met at the... At the, the car wash the bar? The car wash. <laughs> I My housemate texted me and was like, are there car wash bars in Atlanta? I was like, I don't know. I've never been to one, but that's the most Atlanta shit ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, they have laundromat bars. Uh, I know they have those in, in Dallas, and I think they have some up here, too. Oh, really? <laughs> but why, yeah, why would you hang out at a car wash, though? Because I, I understand a laundromat, because you're going to be there for a couple hours. Mm-hmm. But a car wash, you're there for... Maybe, I mean, sometimes you go, they're busy, and it's like it could be 40 minutes, and maybe you want a cocktail, you want a drink. I understand that. I have never willingly gotten my car professionally washed. You can get a bucket and soap and water and handle that shit on your own. Do you wash your own car? Yeah, yeah. Like once every five years, you I'm good to go. You don't just take it to the gas station car wash? No. Okay. <laughs> Why? Why would I do that? Because that's quick. It's still like you just run it through, run it through the machine. I get, I get, I get a good workout with my car. Plus, I don't have a big car. Yeah. When I used to drive, I used to take it, my car to a place near me. Mm-hmm. And because it was only, like, I think it was, like, half off on Tuesdays. So I would go on Tuesdays. Oh. But not, like, every week or anything. But, like, when I would go, I'd go on a Tuesday. So would you get your car washed a lot? Um, maybe Were monthly. you, like, flossing? Were you out there I was trying two to, miles an hour trying, so everybody sees you? I was trying to look good, Melody. <laughs> shit. I was young once. I was the cream of the crop once. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff and use of matter. Things mattered. <laughs> Fair enough. Touche. Yeah. Then you're like, your car smells nice. All your shit's vacuumed up. You know. I, I don't think my car's ever been that clean, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I've always seen my car as a, as, a, as a functional thing that gets me from one place to another. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I was never something that... I never, like, left things in my car, so I never really, like, had, a, like, a messy car. No, okay. Cool. <laughs> you think... Cool. You, <laughs> Do you think that you'll drive again in Portland? I've actually been wanting a car, but I just, but I also want to be cool. Mm-hmm. So I've settled on I'm going to buy a motorcycle. Don't do that. I'm having. Max. I'm calling in my quarter. I'm calling in my quarter life crisis. That's so unsafe. Because I'm going to live to be 120. Don't get a motorcycle. I think it makes sense to me. So now I got to worry about you all the time. That's great. Not all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's so dangerous. I think it just like I was like I was trying to like I feel like you know COVID does a lot of like soul searching you're like who am i what kind of person am i I was like oh i think you know i'm all these things but like part of me is this kind of like rocker mad max aesthetic i was like oh i do need a motorcycle are you gonna join a a biker club yeah i might i might start my own maybe for like artists that feels like that'd be a lot of work that you don't have time for okay that's a good point i guess i'll join one (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure there are black biker clubs yeah i think there are there's a whole movie done about it yeah biker boys (laughs) I don't know if I'm not I'm not that level though. Um, Have you ridden a motorcycle before? Oh come on, Max. I ridden a dirt bike. Okay, not the same thing. Okay. But I mean, I'd I'd figure it out. You have to get a whole new license for that. That's fine. I don't have a license currently, so. Yeah, but you've driven before though. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it just it just makes sense to me. Remember episode one? Star Wars episode one. No. You don't. You. I'm not a nerd. But you've seen that movie. Have You're I? aware of a movie. Have I? Yeah, you have. And you are a nerd, okay? <laughs> <By the way. laughs> Star Wars just isn't one of your areas of expertise. 
But in episode one, Darth Maul is just always around, riding around on this like bike. It rings a bell, bike. yes. So that's me. I just want to have like a big ass black cloak just flying down the highway. You know, logistically, you shouldn't be wearing a cloak when you're on a bike. That could cause all kinds of problems. I'll get the I'll get the right kind of license. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, just be careful, man. So I'm gonna motorcycle. I think it's good on gas. I can take it in the mountains and be cool. You're taking a motorcycle into the mountains? Yeah, I think I need to like impress people. I'm gonna like start smoking cigars and stuff. <laughs> Maybe start wearing a lot of rings. I went through a phase where I smoked cigars. Oh really? In my twenties, I was trying to be cool. How long? How long did the phase last? Like maybe a couple months. I don't know. Shit! Did you like it? No, it was lame. You never enjoyed smoking a cigar. No, I did not. Did you smoke good ones? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it looked and made me look cool. Yeah, I think I smoked maybe like three or four cigars in my whole life. Mm. I remember like being at eleven or twelve, like one of my friends, like somehow having a cigar. Mm-hmm. It was probably old as shit, and we like shared, smoked it. And it was so gross. And obviously, I think you're supposed to smoke a cigar differently than, like, cigarettes and stuff. You're supposed to right, right. do inhale or, yeah, yeah. or something. It's a whole thing. Um, and then we, like, would, I think we smoked that cigar over, like, weeks. You know, we would smoke it, <laughs> we put it out, and then, like, relight it, like, a week later. It was, like, the grossest shit. It was, like, everything we did was just made it so gross. I was like, ugh. I think I'm good on cigars. <laughs> I think I was, I was dating someone who was very much into that whole aesthetic. So I became sort of vaguely enamored with it for a time but it didn't last very long yeah no i feel that like i could see the appeal of like cigars like a whiskey Mm. and some leather right like those smells i still kind of want to be the person who like rolls up at the bar in like some heels and just has a scotch even though i hate the taste of scotch (laughs) so maybe one day yeah you could be that person 2021, or yeah, it's time to be I the person. The world's ending, Melanie. If you're not that person now, when are you gonna be that person? That's a good. Point. That's why I'm getting a motorcycle. <laughs> that's not why. I was like, I mean, I need a vehicle, and I think it just matches. It just makes makes my aesthetic make sense. Okay. But I can't tell if it's gonna be like sporty or if it's gonna be more of like a chopper. Have you started shopping? For no, me? I haven't looked at it. At all. Okay, so you this is just an idea. Okay. Yeah, but that's how ideas start. That's how ideas start. They start talking about it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I'd either get a motorcycle or, like, a cheap pickup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um... I, I mean, a cheap... A pickup would fit your aesthetic, too, because you're from Texas. Mm-hmm. Well, I've... Yeah, I've driven pickups before. Oh, okay. Before I moved here, the car I sold when I left Dallas was a, a white Toyota Tundra. Ooh. I mean, I've low-key always wanted a pickup, but I don't think I can maneuver such a large vehicle. It was easy. It was fun. You could always just throw shit in it. People would ask you to help move shit, and, you know, you just have to act like you don't know people for a couple days. <laughs> But also, too, there's so many trucks in Texas. Like, ask somebody else, bro. Like, you don't even know me like that. You know. I'm not gonna lie. If you had a pickup, I would totally be hitting you up to help me move shit. I'd be like, oh, Melanie, I just saw the sex. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, I would help you, Melanie. No, you would. No, I would help. You. I would help you. I would help you. I would offer to pay. See, that's yeah, the kind no, of I person. That. Not just buy a pizza. <laughs> hey, we're all getting pizza later. <laughs> I remember I had my brother move one time, and then he just, like, bought all of his pizza or something. I think it was just wings, actually. <laughs> Not even the pizza. He just got the wings. I mean, I'd be happy with some wings. I, I, was, I love some wings. <laughs> yeah, um, but I also loved it. Like, uh, I had a truck when I was an undergrad, so it was easy. I was also a painter, so it was easy to throw oh. my, like, four feet by six feet paintings in the bed and just, like, you know, nice. go to critique and 
So you were mind. like you were like a painter, painter. Yeah, my undergrad in painting and drawing. What's in undergrad, it like to they have said, that, all that accreditation. It's nice. I feel like I can just like smile wryly, but to myself. Yeah. Because um, you never talk about it. You never talk about. No, your I'm, life I'm as thoroughly a invested in the cult, right? Everything I rail against, you know. Yeah, you're. Really no, I invested. still when I when I think about like everything now, I still you know, like my approach to performance. It still very much comes from like thinking about like a composition that I learned and like you know from painting and drawing and stuff and like dividing things into thirds. Mm-hmm. And I still feel like sculpture is like one of my biggest influences when it comes to performance. Like, how does this like look as like if it all froze, like just yeah. the... You can tell that with your performance. The drama of the movement or the body just like in a moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think about it. I think about going back to it as a way to like commodify myself more. Um, you know, to have something to sell. I want to start doing sculptures again. Actually, actually, I made a note and I was like, oh, I'm actually going to start doing sculptures again. Remember the sculptures I was doing at the beginning of grad school? Yes. Like these little like sweet nothings or whatever? Yes. I'm going back to that. I'm going to start making... Uh, I feel like you've been saying that for a while. But I actually have a series. I mean, it's going to be called Soft Conflicts. Oh, okay. So why are you returning to this? Um, I've been wanting to, and I feel like I'm finally, like... I have to, like... In order for me to make something real, I have to add it to, like, my list. Mm. So I see it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I finally, like... I was sitting there the other day, and I was like, all right, I'm ready. And I have a couple pieces that I've, like, kind of, like... Because, like, part of my art back then used to be I used to just like gather trash I used to just like always just like when I was walking around being like oh here's this little like metal random shit that I found in the street or here's this like gold chain Mm -hmm. fragment um and so I've just like only recently started doing that again but been very selective because I don't want to just like amass trash in my room again you know yeah um because I remember last time like when I was moving out like when I was leaving Texas half the shit I moved out was just trash that I was just throwing back away and be like, so I was like gathering trash, and I was like, oh, actually, I'm moving, so I'm throwing all the shit again, <laughs> throwing away all the shit again. It's like it's still just fucking trash. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I'm also curious about uh, how sculpture will exist, like on Instagram and stuff. Yeah, that's part of it. Okay. Seeing if I can recapture the magic, but then it's like that whole thing where it's like you go, through, you do all this stuff. I feel like everybody, so many people have said that, like you know, you go through grad school and then you just like end up making the art you were making right before you even started. But now you're just doing it under a different context or whatever. I just I feel like I had a breakthrough in grad school, but that I'm I'm not sure if that was necessarily because of grad school or because it was the first time in like 15 years that I had a chance to just make art and not work and survive. Yeah, I mean that could have been it. I think so much of it is that time and space. Yeah, but I mean I also appreciated being able to have like conversations and feedback. Sure, sure. Um. But yeah, I feel like I could do so many things, but there's only so much, you know, so many hours in a day. Um, I mean, that's what privilege and money buys you, time. Yeah, yeah, that's Most fucking Justin Timberlake movie. <laughs> it is. Did you see that movie? Yeah, I think I'm it, judging you now. I think you missed some stuff, but I think I like the core concept that like rich people have a bunch of time and poor people don't have time. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I mean, yeah, Rashida talked about that. Mm-hmm. It's a whole thing. Time, I think money is the smokescreen. Time is the real thing. Yeah, to me it's time and space. Because mm. I think about that, like, I think about, like, cities, right? Like, rich people, like, exist at the very top mm-hmm. and, like, have the most space, and right? And, like, the more space you have, it, like, speaks to, like, your wealth. Mm-hmm. Because, like, right, you, like, you have to pay for everything. You have to pay for space. So you can have, like, a huge penthouse at the top of some, like, building in a city, you know, speaks to 
space versus like having like a broom closet of an apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Like grad school was the only time I had a dead the only time in my entire life span as an artist where I've had a dedicated studio space. Yeah. Like art studio space. Um it was nice. <laughs> yeah, I think about that too cuz I think about like whatever resources you have like kind of like dictate the kind of art you make. Mm-hmm. Right? I feel like as somebody that can make art across like genre and medium, like it's so much based on like what I'm existing in, like what Yeah. Like I feel like that's it becomes like such a representation of like life in these like unintentional but like potentially intentional intentional ways being like yeah, like I mean every art I'm making like somehow reflects whatever I exist in, right, the size of a piece I'm making or, like, you know, doing performance, you know, relates to, like, having access to, like, spaces to perform them or an audience to perform them versus, like, making a sculpture. Yeah. Um, But also sculptures, depending on the size, like, you know, require space. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think that all of that speaks to it. And I'm also interested in, like, getting back to, like, really, like, I think, like, you know, you can really, like, tap into some really abstract shit through performance but I think there's something that's so much simpler about um getting really like abstract or like covering a lot of stuff with like a a painting or a sculpture I think like doing like a found sculpture and then like giving it a title leaves so much more open to like all these like meanings than like maybe even like what a performance could do yeah I'm just saying that like coming from like maybe last six years of just like making performance and now like romanticizing um, foul sculptures again. But, you know, <laughs> I think performance is capable of anything, too. Yeah. yeah. And, like, brilliant black artists who just chose to go to Paris and, like, lived out these pretty amazing lives there. Yeah. That they that would not have been possible here. Yeah. It's hard to ignore. I think, yeah, like, you know, like, racism exists, like, anti-blackness exists, but maybe it's different you know maybe it's i don't want to say better but maybe different strain is definitely a nice maybe a nice change for an american right for a black american i just know the two times i was there it was amazing i was treated very well okay so yeah you've been in paris before twice yeah i've never been in paris i went there alone both times and i loved it both times what was your like favorite thing to do there oof (sighs) just taking random walks um and just like walking into a restaurant um, to eat, like, not knowing what it was. It's amazing. The food's amazing. Um, I s- the, the scarves. I fell in love with the scarves there. <laughs> um, there's a museum for Rodin the, that was just amazing. Um, uh, the Saint-Chapelle, which is, like, this church full of um, uh, stained-glass window depictions. Uh, it was beautiful. Oh, and the Père Lachaise Cemetery, because I have a thing for cemeteries. Is that where, like, Jim Morrison and shit is buried? Okay, yeah. yeah. And, of course, Jim Morrison's grave is trash because white people just go there and, like, Sleep drink beers night. and shit. Yeah. <laughs> but also Richard Wright is buried there. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Are you, is that an end goal for you? I don't know, maybe. That cemetery? How that? <laughs> but you want to be, like, a black intellectual expat yeah. in Paris? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, hell yeah. Sooner than later, right now. That's where Tanahasi Coates is. Although some might, some people that we respect and know in, in the black inte- intelligentsia would not describe him as thus. Yeah, he's A not lot part of people of the, hate him. He's not part of the community. 
<laughs> and there are good reasons for that. I won't lie. Because of his Jesus and Mero appearance. No, because uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, his work was on the backs of black women. Yeah. That he appropriated. It's a thing. Yeah. So, and he was the one that was kind of held up as this paragon. It's bullshit. The one. Yeah. We're not. We're not live, are we? <laughs> no, we are live. No, we're not. <laughs> we can. We can edit this stuff. Or we can both listen to this episode. <laughs> oh wait, are you serious? I've been recording. Are you serious? Yeah, I was like, I thought we were talking about cool stuff, so I started recording again. Max! Should I have said something? No. We're recording, hot mic, okay. by the way. But also, because time in is relative, so uh-huh. 10 minutes ago, hot mic. <clears throat> All right, so next up, breaking news, y'all. We have a follow-up on Aaliyah. We talked briefly about how her uncle, um, I think, is the... Um, person who's responsible for her estate had some words for Normani. Max was a bit of an apologist for him. I'm not so much, but whatever. <laughs> um, but apparently two-thirds of her discography have officially been released on streaming platforms. Um, one in a million and um, what is the third one? Um the first one, Age Ain't Nothing But a Number, and One in a Million. I listened to One in a Million last night. Still holds up. Um, still great. Yeah. Four-page letter, One in a Million. Just a lot of greats. I, and we, I've talked about this in the last episode about how we, you know, we can't let go of certain artists because of, just because, of, you know, they are deeply flawed human beings. Um, but I cannot bring myself to listen to Age Ain't Nothing But a Number yet because that is so connected to R. Kelly. So I don't know how I'm going to feel about that. I'm not ready yet. Um, but Aaliyah, the, the third, her third album, which came out in 2001, we seem to be talking about 2001 a lot today, um, that has not been released on streaming, to which I call bullshit. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. That's wild to think. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So that estate is still holding on to her shit, and Max respects it. I have feelings. It's fine. It's fine. Different strokes. I mean, <laughs> I'm happy that the, the music is streaming. Um, I, don't, I don't feel like I am have any dogs in the fight to be like, I respect the estate holding on to the music or anything like that. Um, I'm just happy that Aaliyah gets to live on through her music. Mm. And um, that we get to enjoy it and that she's still um, relevant, still gets played, um, still gets spent, still, uh, you know, probably gets new fans, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. Um, yeah, you know, um, I think Aaliyah became, uh, like, one of those cool people, so hopefully people, all the people in the Aaliyah shirts um, can get to listen to some Aaliyah. You have an Aaliyah shirt, right? No. Oh. I could have sworn I've seen you in an Aaliyah shirt, but maybe I need to make a an Aaliyah tote bag. Yeah, you should. But I don't want the estate coming after me, so maybe not. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you used to make tote bags. Yeah, we're having all your cool tote bags. I ran out. I sold, <laughs> sold most of them. I need to make new ones, though. Yeah, do new runs. I, I am bringing back the Killmonger, <laughs> Artmonger tote bag. Oh, uh, hell yeah. Of that scene of uh, Michael B. Jordan standing in front of that artifact. Where that white woman is lying to him about where it came from. Mm-hmm. 
Ah, oh, that's a great scene. It's actually from Wakanda. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm happy that, you know, two-thirds of her discography are out. I hope the third album comes out, too, because that one was amazing, and that was her last album, her final one. So, kind of prescient. Um, and yeah, I have a lot of amazing memories tied to Aaliyah songs from, like, when I was a teenager. So, yeah. I mean, too, like, I think, yeah, it's good that it's on streaming, but if you're, like, wanting it, I'm sure you can still find all of Aaliyah's albums easily online to listen true. to. That's true. And stuff. And, yeah. And I'm sure the videos are on yeah, the YouTube, YouTubes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so since we're talking about music. Yeah, this was kind of like a two-parter because I did want to, like, <laughs> kind of retouch. I don't remember everything I said, but I did want to retouch on um, who's getting canceled, who's not getting canceled, why somebody's being canceled over somebody not being canceled. Mm. And I remember Melanie taking a, su- a surprising stance of not wanting to cancel several people. <laughs> um, several seems and, like an overstatement, but okay. And being pretty pretty lax on the canceling. Lax? What? Um, I feel like that's a deep misinterpretation of what so I said. So I was, this all came from, um, I already forget who does the song, but um, I know R. Kelly's featured in it. But it's the, if you want to go to my hotel, oh. I'm going to give you my room key. If you want to go to my hotel. Because it's looking like an after party to six in the morning. In the morning. In the morning. Yeah, I remember that song. Yeah. And I know R. Kelly's featured in it. I was like, are we, am I, like, am I listening to the song? Is that fucked up? Because R. Kelly's a feature in it. Kinda. Like, is that drawing the line? Or, like, anything he's associated with? But also, too, like, R. Kelly was, like, the one person you didn't want to cancel Kanye. You didn't, I don't remember if we talked about baby. You said you didn't want to cancel Okay, wait, 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 wait. You said you have a baby poster in your room <laughs> that you refuse to take down. <laughs> Okay, so the Kanye thing, I said I'm not going to cancel early 2000s Kanye. Mid-aughts Kanye. Kanye now is heavily canceled. But you did say you were looking forward to Donda. I said I was going to listen to it. Looking forward to, come on, calm down. You said you were looking forward to Donda. I don't remember saying that. We have to re, We need to replay the, the episode. There's a lot of accusations that are flying around. <laughs> Um, we did not talk about DaBaby last okay. time because all that DaBaby shit hadn't blown up yet. So oh, okay. what are your thoughts? Okay, wait. First, we got to talk about what the fuck he did. Okay. So I'm going to preface this by saying that DaBaby had an incident, I think it was last year, where he um, hit a fan. Um, so that so he has a history. Um so at Rolling Out, um, which is a festival, because apparently they're doing music festivals again. You all know my thoughts on that, so I'm not going to delve into it. See, Melanie Stevens at your 2021 music festival. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Zoom link, link forthcoming on that. Um, so he was at a Rolling Out festival, um, which is in, where is that? That's is it Florida? in London. No, it's not. It's in, it's in the states. It's, I think it's somewhere in the south. I don't know. Um, and he was just performing. Um, and some 
someone came out in some sort of costume. It was an animal costume of some sort. And this was after Megan the Stallion set. Um, and the person came out on his set with this costume and took took the head of the costume off and it was none other than Tory Lanez um, who he introduced with big fanfare that was number one number two he then proceeded to apropos of nothing no one asked him shit people were there just to hear some music um, basically went into this misogynistic homophobic rant um, talking about the way women smell, talking about AIDS, all kinds of misinformation. Uh, I'm not going to repeat it. You can Google that shit. Um, yeah, and he just decided he wanted to let everyone know how he felt about all this shit. Of course, because we live in an age where everyone has a computer in their pocket, this was leaked. Um, and his response to this initially was that, you know, his gay fans are classy, I'm paraphrasing here, and would not be doing the things that he discussed in his rant. <laughs> to which, you know, and other people have said this much more um, articulate than I have, but if you're going to an art a music festival, chances are you're doing the shit that he's talking about in the rant. Doesn't matter if you're heterosexual, homosexual, whatever, you are probably engaging in some of those activities if you're at a music festival. That's what music festivals are for. Yeah, if you're having a good time. If you're having a good time, if you're on the best shit. So, like, first of all, making that deviant is a problem, and that just tells me that he doesn't know how to have fun. No, but, that's, I'm sure he's out there doing that shit. Like that's the you know the hypocrisy <laughs> of the babies. Like I'm sure the babies engage exactly in that behavior. <laughs> um, but shortly after that, some of the checks stopped clearing for him, and he came out with this whack ass apology. That again, I'm not going to repeat. You can look it up. It was insulting and stupid. Um, and people called him on that. And after that, more checks stopped clearing. He was cleared off of the lineup of several high-profile festivals. Um, And what we later learned is that a lot of these festivals posed an ultimatum to him. Um, They gave him until a certain point to send in a video stating a more detailed apology of his comments. And he refused to send that video, so he lost a lot of big festivals. So that's where we're at with DaBaby. So, Max, what are your thoughts? Um, yeah, no, I think it's wild as shit. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised at all. Like, I mean, yeah, DaBaby's homophobic as fuck. Um, ignorant as shit. Um, and I think just, like, I feel like just doubling down on it. But um, I think he has enough homophobic ignorant fans to still maintain his career. I mean, we saw... Uh, a bunch of rappers come out in support of him. I mean, a bunch of other, like, whack rappers, too. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what does it matter? But like, some of them not so whack. At what whack. point... Wait, some of them weren't so whack. Like, Timbaland, I think? Oh, really? Yeah. Because I just remember, like, T.I. and who else came out. Oh, yeah, But, like, T.I., like, we stopped caring. And we all know what what the fuck's going on with T.I., so he can just shut the hell up. T.I. is up to his own shit. T.I. needs to work on his court case. 
Yeah. So <laughs> so, but it already like it already like the people that spoke out and pro the baby, I was no not surprised and didn't like um, change anything in the whackness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just been crazy to see the degree to which people will defend this kind of behavior. Um, they'll just trip all over themselves to defend both him, his sort of championing of Tory Lanez, this man who shot a woman um, in broad daylight, um, and then, like, people defending his behavior, which is indefensible. And it's just disheartening that this is still where we're at. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like it goes back to, like, the the whole conversation of, like, canceling in general, because, like, I feel like, what does it, like, really matter? Um, you know, if somebody gets canceled, if they still have a career, a support, you know, is it just, like, a personal choice? Like, I'm not going to, I'm individually not going to support this person mm-hmm. unless, like, you know, maybe every now and then I do, if they have, like, a really good song, mm-hmm. like, I won't support them, but, like, maybe when I'm alone, I'll listen to it. It's, like, where are we all truly at with, like, this kind of thing? Because I feel like all that occurs, like, so many people we say are canceled, like, will still be listened to um, individually, collectively. Um, you know, certain songs are made exceptions for certain films or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm just, like, yeah, just always curious about what it really means or if this only just further confirms, like, the people that are pro, um, or the people that are anti the baby are gonna say anti the baby, and the people that are like pro the baby are gonna say pro the baby. Yeah. And um, well, I, I mean, I will say this: like for me, the baby was one of those people that I really didn't give two flying fucks about to begin with at all. I was, I was like, because like when the baby first came out, I didn't wasn't really paying attention. There's like what he's like from North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina. There's mm-hmm. like that dance song he did. That I didn't like really care that much about. I remember like some of my friends showing me. Mm. Um, but he's like, I think in some like Char- Charlotte, like, uh, you know, sweatsuit uh, outfit or whatever. And I was like, he's like dancing with a bunch of people. Um, mm. But then I remember some of his other songs I liked more. And I was like, okay, I kind of like his, like, the way his voice sounds and like his flow. And I was like, yeah. I could see me appreciating the baby. But he's just like, he's so, all right. But like, there was he's also. He's so ignorant. So it's like, whatever. There's always been kind of a misogynistic bent in his flow, so that always turned me off. But like everybody else is parting off him, so I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. But yeah, the baby's a lot like Kodak in that sense of like just being ignorant as fuck and just like double the fucking down on it, you right? Know, like being um, homophobic as fuck, or even like Kodak's um, situation being like anti-black as fuck. Yeah, um, yeah, this is this is wild. And then who else? This is like a, a tangent, but then still, it made me think of like who was it? Um, Never mind, I can't think of his name, so I can't tell the story. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, for me, isn't is he only exists in my streaming platforms. I've never bought any of his music, so it's nothing for me to just, like, remove him from my list. Like, it doesn't yeah. affect me at all. No, I feel that, but, like, you know, sometimes <laughs> you're, like, out and somebody's like, oh, now the baby's playing at, like, some event I'm at. Do I, like, kindly ask a DJ, please, please know the baby. Do I'm people like, do that? No, I'm saying is that, is that <laughs> what needs to start happening? Being like, Maybe. excuse me, like um, I've actually personally, you know, it's like a vegan being like, I've actually don't eat meat anymore. Can you not play the baby? Yeah, or whatever. Like, my whole <clears> thing <throat> is, why wasn't this nigga canceled when he shot a black woman? Like, oh, you this... mean Tory Lanez? 
Well, he supported someone who shot a black woman. No, I'm surprised. Like, that's the thing. And I'm, he hit, and, and DaBaby hit a black woman. Right. Like, that's people the thing, were cool with that. That's the thing I'm so surprised about is how, 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 how easy Tory Lanez was to bounce back from that, how much support DaBaby has Because nobody will go out of business, like, you know, no one will go out of business debasing or disrespecting or abusing black women that's just a given like look at r kelly like he got away with this shit for decades i've been hearing stories about r kelly since i was a fucking teenager okay i am 42 years yeah, old fucking r kelly bill cosby and then like that's a wild thing is like megan the Stallion so and even like in these like fucked up senses of like megan the Stallion so much more like capital to Tory Lanez, you know, mm-hmm. like, if this was the other way around, like, if, like, Tory Lanez was, like, a woman making this out, was, like, a man in, like, this, like, power relationship, like, Tory Lanez would be, like, have been erased from the map of existence, mm-hmm. right, but, like, how is this, like, how is, yeah, how is Tory Lanez, like, how did, like, he not even, like, go away, really, and now we just have, he's, now he's being resurrected, like, what, like, how? Yeah. And, like, the world's fine, like, we can exist without Tory Lanez, like, yeah. it doesn't, it's not, doesn't make the world go round, doesn't make the sun rise. Seriously. But, but that's like, but I feel like, yeah, like, but it's that weird thing is like, yeah, maybe like until, because right, we live in capitalism and that ultimately is like the the voice at the end of the day, you know, it's like if Tory Lanez keeps getting money, he's going to stay relevant. True. And, true. you know, the way he, he really becomes canceled is by not getting money anymore, not getting opportunities. I'm sure he's still getting shows maybe at smaller places, but. Yeah. And yeah. and the baby's not going to, first, people don't get canceled. It's not a real sh- thing that happens. And I'm going to talk about that. When I talk, when we get to the y'all could have kept that thing, but like people don't get canceled. The baby will shut his fucking mouth for about three to four months, and he'll reappear with some single that everybody loves, and people will forget all about this bullshit that came out. That's of part mouth. of it. Like I don't feel, even feel like he needs to shut his mouth because I feel like there's so many people that like the baby that don't care if he says like some homophobic shit. It's like the baby's hot. The baby like makes like music that's like that's good. That's nice to dance to. That makes me have fun. And it's like. You know, that's my reality, and that's, like, my existence, and, you know, mm-hmm. what exists beyond that, I'm not. You're like, yeah, like, oh, yeah, like, maybe, like, conceptually, I agree that, like, yeah, the baby's like, misogynistic, or the baby's homophobic, but when that baby song comes on, oh, I happen to know every lyric, you know. Not like me personally, what I'm saying. No, like, I know, I, like I know, like, <laughs> I've never heard you recite a baby lyric. Well, <laughs> don't play any baby <laughs> around. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Speaking of music, did you, have you heard there's beef between Kanye and Drake? Yeah, that, there's been beef between them for years. Oh, I didn't know that. I just That's the whole that's how some... we found out about Adonis, all that stuff. No, wait. No, we Oh, you're right cuz Kanye leaked it. The Kanye Drake beef spilled over to um to Meek. No, not to Meek to um Who's good music? Um, Kid Cudi? It's not T-Vane. Um, oh my god, what's his name? No, he was the one that exposed Drake. Um, I thought that came out during the Drake Meek beef. No, no, no. It was a Drake Kanye beef, but by way of... I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Um... Fuck, why do I, why is his name not coming up? Oh, Pusha T. 
Oh. Pusha T was the one that released the album and the disses about Drake more recently. That was like about Adonis oh. and the Drake blackface. That's true. But that was just like a pro- to me like a proxy war of Drake Kanye because Drake allegedly has slept with Kim. Um, Pre Kanye, during I mean, Kanye, post Kanye. Getting mad about Drake sleeping with someone like is it's like getting mad at like the stars. Like wow. he is a Drake is a whole ass man whore, and yeah. everybody knows this. Yeah, well, he's balding, I guess. <laughs> That's mean. Is it? That's unnecessary. <laughs> <laughs> you can't make fun of a man's illness. Not even Drake's. It's not an illness. It's temporary balding. He'll be fine, ladies. Um, but apparently a group text came. What had happened was, um, apparently Kanye leaked some some lyrics or something. Um, some Drake lyrics. Let's see. Uh, blah blah blah. Let me see. There was a group text. Apparently, they've been quietly squabbling for the past few weeks over the release dates of their respective albums. Um, but on Saturday, uh, Trippy Red's new song, Betrayal, dropped, featuring a verse from Drake that seemingly calls out Kanye. And it goes, All these fools I'm beefing with, no, all these fools I'm beefing that I barely know, 45, 44, burned out, let it go. Ye ain't changing shit for me, it's set in stone. Um, and then apparently Kanye, a, a leak of Kanye's group text that includes Pusha T says something like, Pusha T and Drake says something like, I, he posted a picture of the Joker, um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, uh, and then texted, I live for this. I've been fucked with by nerd-ass jock niggas like you my whole life. You will never recover, I promise you. Kanye <laughs> so, is so dramatic. But Drake's so sensitive, so it's like the perfect <laughs> combination. Yeah, this has all the makings of but they've entertainment been going at it for me. Years. Yeah, they've been yeah. going at it for years. It's just the latest edition <laughs> of, their, of their battle. I'm thoroughly entertained, and I think that this is the beef that we need. Society needs this. Okay, we need some. We need a. We need a win. We need entertainment. We need trash ass entertainment between rappers that will result in nothing but laughs. This is um, tangential, but uh, the other day, actually, was feeling nostalgic and listened to back to back for the first time in years. How's it hold up? Um, it was still funny. I mean. Because I remember, like, too, this is this is maybe a TMI, but I remember, like, uh, what I think it was, I guess, fall 2016. Mm-hmm. At Austin Cindy Limits, I was there, um, saw Drake perform, and he was like, this is the last time I'm performing back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe he says that all the time. But it's like the summer was ending, it was like October, and then he played back-to-back, and I remember um, that being iconic. Yeah. You ask me if I can play this shit back-to-back. <laughs> Took a break from views, now it's back-to-that. <sighs> I just sometimes I think about Drake and his success. I have a lot of feelings about why he's successful. I think it's like Michael Jordan. It's just pettiness. It's like a lot of proof, like a chip on your shoulder. There's some colorism involved there. Oh, definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And like, I mean, like Drake's own like motive. Why his like? Oh, okay. Why he tries to do the things he does? Okay. But definitely, like colorism for Drake being successful. Yeah, because 
I mean, <clears throat> you look at you look at the discography of hip hop in general, and <sighs> Drake has some good beats, but. Well, he uses a lot of like Drake is like the contemporary hip hop. He's like a corporation. He has like a team. He's a of corporation. That's exactly that he it. uses yes. to ghostwrite. Um, you know, there's a bunch of people that have written for Drake. You know, he like tried to swallow. He tries to swallow up artists all the time. Yeah, that's why like the weekend left and went out on his own because mm. he's gonna swallow up the weekend. That's why we never hear about party next door. Ooh. That's what happened to um, I love McConan. Like, there's like artists that like pop off on Drake just like. a brings them into OVO yeah. and then they just become like house writers. Yeah. He's for Drake. I mean that's it. Drake is a corporation and I just I've never trusted But him. we talked about that back when he was revealed for like ghostwriting it's like it's Drake isn't like a rapper. He's not like known as a lyricist. It's like literally he's but the he's, face. He scams as one. He's kind of a grifter. But he's like yeah, he's he's the face for this thing. It's kind of like how like pop stars in general like most pop stars don't write their songs. We don't expect pop But they're pop stars. We know what we're getting. But Drake so Drake's a pop star. But he masquerades as a rap star. Right. Which is a different thing. But I think most people that love Drake are people that are coming from a pop star lens. You know, you're right. You're talking about white people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just say white people. It's fine. Right. White people know they're white. White people, yeah. Do they? (laughs) (laughs) Touche, sir. (laughs) (laughs) What's that? I'm not black, I'm OJ. Like, okay. Drake has got to be the most famous black rap star who is not respected by black people, like, at all. Yeah. Like, Damn. That's, that's an article. <laughs> but maybe that's why he's so upset. He's just like, he's like, you know, just can't get love from his own people. But, but that's a choice. He made a lot of choices in his career that have led to that bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was talking to. Uh, somebody the other day still talking about the whole fucking Millie Bobby Brown and Drake shit. Because that shit is creepy. That yeah, shit is like, creepy as shit. And I was like, how the fuck is that not How did not he get away with that? How did outrageous. He, I was like, are like, they still talking? He said, like, he said that shit in, in public. She said that shit in public. And, like, we're supposed to forget that? That was creepy. Yeah, that's creepy as shit. Like, why? Like, bro, you know that's not a good look. Like, like at all. Like, there's nothing is secret anymore. Like, everybody will talk. Like, the idea that you thought you could, like, become friends with a 14-year-old. Oh, my God. No, you're 33 or some shit. Bro, like, uh. you don't have friends? <laughs> like. <laughs> no, it's just all bad. It's just all bad. You can't hang out with people from Toronto. You can't hang out with some <laughs> Raptors or whatever. I mean, shit. Or whatever city you claim to be. Right, you know, from you at this on, moment, you put on your uh, your London accent. You put on your fucking Jamaican backlog. <laughs> you put on your Memphis shit. You don't have friends. Are, are you from Seattle today? Or okay. Is it, or is that exactly why you don't have friends? Because you're just over here like being frank with everybody different, and then you're like you're sitting in your multiple Calabasas houses alone, being like, "Let me text Millie." <laughs> I don't think he has friends. That's that's my running theory. Yeah, who knows? He does not move as a person in the world who has true friends. Yeah, I mean, I think that's real. But since we're talking about Drake, I guess tangentially we should discuss Rihanna. Yeah, I mean, we're getting, we are getting towards the point where we should start cutting, rubbing it up so we can clean up. Why why do we need to wrap it up, Max? We got some place to be? Yeah, we have a place to be. I want to be there on time. I just know that if there's a cleanup involved. Okay. Okay, so we'll discuss Rihanna and then we'll go into our segments. 
Okay, that still takes a lot of time, but we'll talk about things quickly. Okay. We were going to talk about Afghanistan, too, huh? We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. I mean, we can just go into our segments. <laughs> and we can have, like, an addendum for later. Do we want to have another? Yeah, we can do whatever we want. Okay. All right, so we've been talking for a minute, so it's time to go into our segments. Um, first segment, Seely's Glass of Water. For folks who are doing the most with the least. Oh, Mr. Talking Trash About Shug. Folks don't like nobody being too proud or too free. Um, today, I want to talk about OnlyFans. Now, we all know what OnlyFans is. It's what they're known for, right? This is not new information. They've only been around for a hot minute, and that's what they do. But recently, last week, they announced... That starting in October, OnlyFans will prohibit creators from posting material with sexually explicit content on its website. To, what I, to which I say, the fuck? So in essence, OnlyFans, a corporation that made its name and money off of the labor of sex workers, will continue in the long-standing tradition of turning their backs on said, work, said laborers as soon as they see a shot at, quote, legitimacy, end quote. How do I know this? Well, they were stupid enough to drop the following tweet shortly after their announcement and the succeeding backlash. Dear sex workers, the OnlyFans community would not be what it is today without you. The policy change was necessary to secure banking and payment services to support you. We are working around the clock to come up with solutions. Hashtag sex work is work. Respectfully, OnlyFans can choke on it. I, along with many, many people, are fully aware and sick of the way sex work is treated in this country. These corporations exist and operate under the puritanical codes of conduct in public, while obviously doing whatever the fuck they want in private, and pretend that they honor these ideologies for safety and well-being of society. Bullshit. Absolute bullshit. The only reason they uphold these systems is because sex work presents a particular labor conundrum that is counterproductive to the cogs of capitalism. It gives people, potentially, complete agency over a product that is in high demand and does not need any sort of corporate certification. It gives people who have been traditionally pushed to the margins an opportunity to control their means of production and their bodies in a way that is not allowed in the current 9-to-5 workforce. This country has always talked a big game about work ethic and bootstraps and the American dream. But time and time again, we see that any time anybody who exists outside of the preset rules and regulations about how all of this works manages to find some sort of reprieve or loophole to success, it gets snatched away under the guise of law. It's, It's all a scam, and OnlyFans takes their place next to the long list of corporate scammers who uphold the lie of being successful. Fuck y'all and everything you stand for. Until you do right by the folks you use to get where you are, I hope nothing but bad things for you. Hell yeah. Just the facts with Max. I'm stating facts, 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 facts. Coming in various forms, shapes, sizes, and metals, there's no doubt that the hoop earring is a classic piece of jewelry. Throughout history, the hoop earring has been a powerful symbol for many different non-European cultures. The invention of hoop earrings date back as far as the Bronze Age 
and 4th century Africa, Sudan in particular, which was then named Nubia. They were constructed from bronze, silver, and gold. I'm stating facts, 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 facts. Wow, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Where do you come up with this information, Max? The internet. <laughs> All right, so now we're going to end on parting words. My parting words are, um, as always, Melanie, it is so amazing to take this journey with you, um, to do all these adventures with you, to have a podcast with you. Um, so, yeah, thank you for being um, co-host, um, co-pilot in all things NTP. And, um, yeah, I had fun talking with you today. And um, there's tons of things we didn't get to, so it feels like we need to have a, a sequel. But um, those are my parting words. Um, yes. All right. Um, my parting words are um, thank you, Max. As usual, it recording this podcast with you is a joy and uh, an otherwise joyless existence. <laughs> um, you are amazing to talk to. Um, you always sort of surprise me with things that I never thought of in a way that I never thought of, and it's it's just nice to be around. Um, people who continue to do that in general um fun to do ntp stuff with you i'm looking forward to the stuff we've got planned we've got some good shit planned so it's about to get lit um and i've got some art stuff coming up because i guess i'm an artist again for 2021 so uh get on my instagram at X to see the newest shit that i'm getting into i've got a couple of exhibitions coming up with some stuff um some timely stuff so thank you everyone bye bye y'all <laughs>